we will continue part two of work matters. Remember, who you work for is far more important than what you do. Let me repeat. The moment you realize you work for the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, everything else becomes secondary. Your work may be hard, you may think it's boring, but once you understand who you work for, you work for the King of Kings, and that changes everything. Amen? So, who are you working for today? I pray the Lord. At the end of the service, I'm going to give all of you an opportunity to dedicate first your life, your career, and your work to the Lord. But I need to give you some theological principles again. Last week, we talked about the theology of work. Today, I want to share with you how do you make a difference in your work. Make a difference. Be extra. Do you know how you remember today's message? Make a difference. Make a difference. I will teach you. One day, my wife and I were attending a Christian gathering, and I saw a businessman. He was, you know, um, walking uh, in a very excited manner. And he said, I am mad. I am mad. So we went up to the elevator, and I said, why are you mad? Oh, he said, I want to make a difference. That's why I am mad. Do you know how to spell mad? M-A-D. I want to make a difference. You know, this guy is a very successful businessman. He's into flour. And I talked to him a few months ago. He said, Peter, my business has expanded. He lives in the Seattle area, in Oregon area. And that guy has expanded his business because he wants to make a difference for what? The whole world. So, do you want to make a difference? All right. How do you do it? Everybody, say, be extra. Now, what does that mean, be extra? Well, I want to share with you. Think of the acronym BEE. -E. Can you pronounce the word BEE? -E? Aha, uh -huh. B. Now, what enters your mind when you think of B? What enters your mind? B-E-E. -E. Can I tell you? When I think of bees, bee, I realize it's one of the most amazing insects created by God. Do you know why? They work together. Every bee, okay, each one, knows its responsibility, its duty. You have all kinds of a division of work. You have the one making honey. You have the one foraging. You have the one guarding. You have the one making the wax. You have the one uh, making the temperature, make sure it's under control, 93 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, it is amazing. And do you know what? They travel. Sometimes it's be 12 miles a day. To make one pound of honey, the bee has to visit two million flowers to make one pound of honey. And sometimes the whole colony, if you compute all their traveling, they have to go around 55,000 miles. That is two times around the planet Earth. Wow! Is God amazing? 
Now, so are you a B? No, but work like a B. All right? So, B E E. B. Can I tell you something so that you remember? B E E stands for what? First, be intentional. So, B. You got to be intentional. You want to be extra? Be intentional. Number two, excel in whatever you do. Number three, entrust. You have to entrust yourself to God. Are we ready? All right. What is the theological basis of being intentional? Jesus tells us how you are to work. Everybody, read Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Together. Together, you are the light of the world. If you look at the grammar, the emphasis is you. You and you alone. Number two, you are the light of the world. Now, let me ask you, what's the purpose of light? The purpose of light is to illuminate. Imagine a room that's completely dark. I wonder if you have been to a place where there's no light at all. My wife and I had the privilege of visiting Mammoth Cave. This is one of the biggest caves in the world, but once you enter after a while, complete darkness. You can feel the darkness. You cannot see anything. And then you begin to appreciate light. The Bible tells us the world is in darkness. And that's why the world stumbles. They don't know the way. They don't know the truth. Stop cursing politics. Stop cursing the world. Why it is so bad? You should ask yourself, where is the light? And the Bible says, you are the light. Now, what does it mean, the world? Well, this is amazing. When Jesus talks about you are the light of the world, that world that he's talking about is your spheres of influence. What do I mean? For example, your sphere of influence, your own family, your friends, your workplace. Now, years ago, Dr. Bill Bright came up with the idea of the spheres of society. He came up with seven spheres of society that are the influential centers of the world. I want you to understand when Jesus talks about you are the light of the world, what does it mean? Well, let me share with you. Number one, according to the research, in CCF, I added one, eight spheres. Someday you can have 10, okay? It doesn't matter. But here's the general idea. Spheres of society, influence center. Number one, religion. The religion of the world is very influential. Every country, every culture is influenced by religion. And that's why Satan is so smart. Satan says, don't talk about religion. Where do you find that in the Bible? Don't talk about religion. It's not in the Bible. In fact, you should engage the discussion of religion in a nice way. Next, family. Do you now understand why Satan is against family? In the States, they don't like families. They don't even like getting married. It's crazy. Family, you have to influence family. Next, education. Do you now understand why CCF, we put up a school, Life Academy, 
Years ago, we also helped put up Master's Academy. I believe education is so crucial because they are brainwashing young people today. Today, you will be amazed at what is being taught in school, in high school, in university. Next, what are you supposed to influence the light of the world? Workplace. Workplace. Are you a doctor? Are you a lawyer? It's the biggest mission field in the world, wherever you are. Workplace. Politics and government. My goodness, where do you hear, don't discuss politics. It's so divisive. My friend, shame on us. Politics should be discussed. If you disagree with me, I still love you. But we should discuss. Why are we not discussing? Brainwash. Emotional immaturity. Just because people disagree with you does not mean they are bad people. But you need to understand these are important topics. And many Christians are brainwashed into thinking politics is so dirty, you don't get involved. That is a lie. If you study church history, if you study world history, you can see how Christians who entered politics have transformed their nation. People have no idea what are the amazing laws passed by Christian presidents and leaders. The rights to vote, the freedom of women, protection of children. This came from Christians. And now what do they tell us? Don't get involved in politics. It is dirty. My friend, all it takes for evil to triumph, according to Edmund Burke, is for good men to do nothing. And when you hear people say, let us just pray, let us just pray, my friend, you don't see that in the Bible. We are to pray, of course, but we are to get involved. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. What is the next one? Media. Oh my goodness, media, social media. You know, shame on us. When we don't encourage our people to get involved in media, you know why? You shape the way the news is reported. Today, you have many fake news. Why? Because Christians have withdrawn. What else? Entertainment. You know, I praise God for many good actors. Actors can influence the way young people think. What about sports? Do you know today the biggest spectator event it's not even music, it's not even movies, it's sports. And if you are gifted by God to be good in sport, I bless you. Be light. Amen? So, what is the message today? Everybody, make a difference. Say that with me. Make a difference, be extra. So, what does it mean to be Extra. How can you be extra? Number one, be intentional. In Tagalog, bawal ang banjing banjing. All right? You must know what needs to be done and be intentional. I saw my friends here. This family, they are good in sports. And this family, I know, you are good in eating. That's good also. In other words, wherever you are, if you are good in cooking, you are good in sports, wherever you are, be light. Okay? So be intentional. Let's look at that verse in perspective, from the perspective of Jesus again. Jesus tells us, you are to go into all the world 
And what? Make disciples. Are you familiar with the theme verse of CCF? Matthew chapter 28. Would you like to see a part of that verse? To those of you who are new, this is why we exist. Matthew chapter 28. What is the verse? Look at what it says. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Notice you are to make disciples of all the nations. Notice plural nations. And how do you change the world? How do you change nations? You got to impact the spheres of the world from family, religion, media, etc. Are we clear? So you are to make disciples. You are the light of the world. Now, notice, how do you do that? Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do you notice what Jesus is saying? Let your light shine before men. Everybody, intentional. Let your light shine before men. And how do you do it? Huh? It says here, in such a way that they may see your good works. You have to be intentional that they may see your good works. For what purpose? Can you read that verse one more time? They may see your good works. Everybody, look at that verse. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. Problem. Can they connect your good works with glorifying God the Father? For many of us, we want to be good in our company. We want to excel for our glory for our salary increase, for our promotion. Nothing wrong. It's a bonus, but that should not be your primary objective. Your primary objective is to live your life in such a supernatural way that people can connect you with God. Glorify God the Father. Let me ask you a question. Everybody look at me now. When they look at your work, when they look at your behavior at home, wherever you are, do you connect them to the goodness of God? See, for many of us, I think, just be careful. We don't even do good works. Our performance in the company is not good. People will even say, huh? Is that guy Christian? Cristiano Bayan? Shame on us. I pray that you'll embrace God's mission for your life. Your work matters. You must perform your work in such a way that they will say, you know what? God is amazing. Let me share with you years ago how my daughter did this. When my daughter went to study dentistry, she placed in her heart, I want to bring honor to Jesus. And by the grace of God, it's all God's grace. When I share this, I'm not boasting. I don't want to boast about my family. I just want to share with you what God did. My daughter, because of her commitment to bring honor to God, she won various awards, like the most friendly, doing a lot of charitable works. But when she graduated, she graduated valedictorian. And when she was given the privilege to give a speech, her graduation speech, and this is a secular school. Remember, it's a dental school. It's one of the top schools. She talked about 
her testimony. She said, when I first came to this school, it was in my heart to bring glory and honor to Jesus. You know, when she shared those things, you can hear the entire room. Quiet. Very quiet. And when she finished her speech, everybody gave her a standing ovation. I was so nervous. I thought they would kick us out. But they gave her a standing ovation. And then the dean of the whole school went forward and said, Candy, Candy Tanchi wears her Christianity very well. And would you believe it? Some of their teachers visited the Philippines to do mission work, and the dean of admission came with Candy to CCF. Why? Because Candy's life, her good works, her performance gave her the platform to connect people to Jesus and to God. And my friend, that is what, yes, praise God, my friend, that is what I pray, that you have that mentality. I want to excel in my office, I want to excel in my school, I want to excel in my work for the purpose of giving glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So what's point number one? You have to be intentional. No, not just in your work. Jesus continues, all right? How? Well, you won't believe this. You have to excel. Now, what does it mean? How can you be extra? Well, let's look at what Jesus is saying. In Matthew chapter 5, same chapter, Jesus tells us, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, what is Jesus talking about when he talks about you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world? When somebody forces you to go one mile, you go two. Have you heard of this expression, extra mile? That is from the Bible. The idea of extra mile came from the teaching of Jesus. Why? During the Roman times, any soldier, not just centurion, when they see you, they can force you to carry their baggage one mile. That's the law. They can recruit you, and you have no choice but to go with the Roman soldier one mile. That's the law. But Jesus is saying, you know what? You shock them. When they demand you go one mile, why don't you say, sir, it's my privilege to help you. Can I carry it one more mile? Wow. That kind of teaching was shocking. Why would I carry the bag of the one that is ruling over me? Jesus says, go extra. Everybody say that with me. Go extra. That is how you make a difference. If we just do what everybody else is doing, what is so extra about us? So you got to excel by go extra, be extra. Can you turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, be extra. Not extra bad, huh? Be extra good. Be extra in your performance. But it does not just deal with performance. It deals with your attitude. Let's look at another verse. Luke 6, according to Jesus, I say to you who hear, everybody, can you please read this with me together? But I say to you who hear, everybody, 
Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. <coughs> Pray for those who mistreat you. Now be honest with me. How many of us are doing this? Look at the first command. Everybody, love your <coughs> together. Love your enemies. Is it possible to have enemies in your company? Is it possible? Some of you say, Nako, Pastor Peter, I have so many enemies in my company. That girl on the third cubicle, Nako, that guy there, they don't like me. They hate me. Well, according to Jesus, what must you do? Love it. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Be honest. Is this easy? <coughs> you know why? You need to be a real Christian. You need to have real Jesus in your life to be able to do what he wants you to do. Without Jesus, without the power of the gospel, you won't succeed. What else must you do? My goodness, it's, it says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, be honest with me. Are we doing this? You know, some of us don't even pray for our family. We don't even pray for our friends. Here, pray for those who mistreat you. This is shocking. You see, Jesus is saying, you want to be the light of the world? You want to influence society? Do extra. Be extra. Friends, this is how Rome was conquered by Christianity. How in the world a nation full of slavery, you have to understand the Roman culture depends on slavery. Slaves have no rights, no overtime pay, no health benefit. They cannot even resign. In that context, Jesus tells his disciples, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. In case you don't understand what Jesus is saying, read the next verse. Jesus says, do others, treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. In other words, guys, be extra. That's the meaning of what Jesus is saying. You are the light of the world. You know, I'm saddened when I see Christians don't even apply this in their own community. We are to love each other. We are to be extra. And what do we do? We cancel. We practice cancel culture. Because we take our cue from the world. We copy the world. We are to influence the world. But we don't. How in the world are we going to experience real supernatural revival in our family, in our life, even in your business, if you don't follow Jesus? My friend, you have to understand. Make a difference. How do you make a difference? Be extra. 
How do you be extra? Be. Be intentional. Intentional. Be extra. Extra kind. Extra good. And you know how he ended with that teaching? Wow. Let's look at what Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.35. Love your enemies. Do good. Land expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great. Notice the bonus of Jesus. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. You know what Jesus is saying? Then you will represent me like father, like son. He's not saying you do this in order to go to heaven. No, no. Because you are a child of God, you do this. And then they will know you are my child, like father, like son. Because our father is kind. Our father is good. Now, let me ask you a question. Will others see Christ in your life, in your work? Okay. Let's review. How do we make a difference? Number one, be intentional. You have to know. Number two, be extra. And lastly, what must you do? And trust. You have to entrust your future to the Lord. Can I tell you the idea of going extra, be extra? Now, for somebody to have such an impact on co-workers simply means what? You must be extra. Extra kind. Can you tell your neighbor, be extra kind? Extra forgiving. Extra loving. I'm not joking. Be extra good. Do it for Jesus. Now, let me ask you, do you submit your report on time? How's your sales? Are you performing well? You know, for some people, they don't understand excellence. All of us must excel in the marketplace, in the schoolroom. If you're a teacher, be the best teacher. If you're a doctor, be the best doctor. Lastly, I want you to understand, you must entrust. What does it mean? Well, to entrust yourself to God, I give you two examples, excelling and entrusting. One of them is a lady by the name of Ruth. How many of you have heard of the Bible story of Ruth? You must understand the, the culture of that time. In the case of Ruth, her husband died. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, told her daughter-in-law, you know what? Go home. I don't have any future for you. You have to understand, in the culture of the Old Testament, if you are a widow, you are dead. There's no social security. Who will take care of you? So the mother-in-law, Naomi, told her daughter-in-law, Ruth, please, you have no future with me. You are young. Go home. Get a husband. If you come with me, I cannot offer you anything. You know what Ruth did? The Bible tells us this is one of the most amazing things about Ruth. She trusted God and she entrusts. What do I mean? Let's look at Ruth 1. Ruth told her mother-in-law, Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. Now, everybody read this. For where you go, I will go. Where you stay, where you lodge, I will lodge. 
your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Ruth did something extra. By the way, this phrase is so precious to me because when my wife said yes to me, she recited this verse. She said, Peter, your God will be my God, your people, my people. Where you die, I will die. Ruth did not have to do that, but she did it. Can I tell you the impression she gave to others? Look at what happened to her. This was the impact of her going extra and trusting God. Let's read the next verse. Ruth chapter 2. Let's read together. Ruth, when she went with her mother-in-law, said, said to this man, Why have I found such favor in your eyes? Why do you notice me? I'm a foreigner. Now, look at Boaz, a very successful businessman, a powerful man. He said, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know. Remember, extra. She didn't have to do that. She did extra. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You see, Ruth came to know the Lord. She began to trust God, and she did extra. And her good deeds were noticed by the people. You did extra, and may God reward you. My friend, I want you to know this quotation from Archbishop William Temple. This is such an amazing quotation that I hope all young people will take this to heart. According to William Temple, to choose a career on selfish grounds like money, fame, power, that's my addition, is probably the greatest single sin that any young person can commit. Why? Let me tell you why, young people. If you don't consider the call of God in your life, you know what you are doing? It is the deliberate withdrawal from all allegiance to God of the greater part of time and strength. You see, you give your time and strength to your career. And if you choose a career for selfish reason only and not considering the call of God, how you can bless humanity, my friend, you are giving the best years of your life to yourself and not to God. I remember one of my mentors, he said, Peter, how I wish I gave my life to Jesus earlier. I said, what do you mean? He said, Peter, I came to know Jesus when I was over 30 years old. The guy was so faithful. But he said, how I wish I've come to know Jesus when I was younger. I would have, I would have given Jesus more years of my life. My friend, that is the meaning of understanding work matters. Whatever you do, be willing to make a difference. And how do you make a difference, everybody? 
Be extra. One more time. How do you make a difference? Be extra. How can you be extra? Be intentional. Excel and trust. You know, many times your good works are not recognized by your boss. Many times your good behavior are not recognized by the company. So how do you continue being extra good? Ah, what is the last point? And trust your future to God. What example can I give you? You all know this example, but let me share with you. Daniel. Can I tell you about Daniel? You know, Daniel is an amazing example. In Daniel chapter 6, I will tell you the story of Daniel, okay? Daniel, as a young man, gave his life to God. He was so committed to being extra. Extra what? Extra faithful to God. Daniel was an amazing guy. Because of his performance, the king noticed him. He got promoted. When the king was deposed, another king took over. The guy who took over noticed Daniel. And Daniel was promoted again. This guy was so extra good. And here is now the story. This new king, King Darius, if you study history, Darius had an amazing empire from the Middle East, from uh, the area of near Ukraine, all the way almost reaching India. This guy was the king. And you know what he did? Let's look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Do you, can, do you understand the story now? Daniel was so good that the king decided, I better promote this guy. Guess what happened? Why so that you know the context? All right, let's look at the verses. Let's look at verse 2. Daniel 6, 1 and 2. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 governors satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom. And over them, three commissioners higher than the governors, whom Daniel was one, and these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king would not suffer loss. Now, what the king did, he decided, you know what, I'm going to even do something better. I'm going to appoint, like my prime minister, to rule over all of these commissioners. Now, if you were the other commissioners, what will you do? In the Philippines, you have this terminology. What is the crab mentality? Crab. What do crab do? You pull the others down. And that's what they did. They wanted to pull Daniel down. So they tried everything. But can I tell you why? Because Daniel was extra good. They could not pull him down. Can I show you the verse? Let's look. Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. Together. Let's read together. The commissioners and satraps began trying to find ground of accusation against Daniel. They looked for loopholes. What did they conclude? They could find, number one, no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption. So Daniel was extra honest. 
They could not find any loophole. They looked at his accounting records. They could not find anything. The guy was squeaky clean. Or evidence of corruption in as much as he was faithful. Daniel was extra faithful to the king, to his work. And no negligence. Daniel was extra in his work. He was always on time. He did not file a vacation leave if he's taking a, what? Many people, if they don't want to work, what do they do? They file sick leave, even though they're in Boracay. <laughs> but not Daniel. Daniel arrives in the office on time. He leaves, not ahead. I'm not saying extra means you work overtime all the time. That's not working smart. To be extra does not mean you work long hours all the time. That is not being smart. To be extra means your attitude, your performance, okay? Now, the Bible tells us they could not find any corruption in him. So what did they do? Because Daniel was so intentional, he was able to connect his works to God. So they knew his weakness. Uh -huh. They know he was a follower of the Lord. So this is what they said. They agreed. Commissioners, satraps, trying to find a ground of accusation. And what did they agree on? Let's read the next verse, please. This man said, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Do you notice what they also noticed? Daniel was so God-centered. They said his work performance is so good. So the only way we can get him is in his religion. You see, Daniel followed the example of Jesus. Let your light shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The work of Daniel connected his performance to God. They say, this guy is a Christian. This guy obeys God. So let's see how we can trap him. So they came up with a stupid law. In Tagalog, binobola nila, they, they tried to put a fast one over the king. They told the king, king, since you are so successful, you are so powerful, for one month, do not allow anybody to pray. Just for one month. Don't allow anybody to pray. King, just let them pray to you because you're like God. You know, the problem with dictators, they are humored and they think that makes sense. Let them pray to me only. Ah, when the king signed the law that you cannot pray for one month, there's a penalty. What's the penalty? Everybody, do you remember the penalty? You will be fed to the lion. You know why they have learned that Christians don't burn. When they were put in the fire, they were not burned. So now they said, let's try the lion. Maybe the lion can eat Christian, right? So the Bible tells us he signed, forgetting that Daniel will never compromise. You know, if you were Daniel, would you compromise? Only 30 days in the money. 30 days only, don't pray. Only 30 days. After 30 days, you double up your prayer time. Will you do that? Be honest with me. 
and not CCFers, you are extraordinary, right? You're extra. You will never compromise. Amen? Only these people don't compromise, huh? <laughs> you know what happened? I have good news for you. When Daniel saw the thing was signed, this is amazing, you know? In uh, chapter 6, verse 10, you know what Daniel did? This is amazing. When Daniel knew that the document was signed, in short, Daniel knew. He was in deep, deep trouble. He entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. He continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. You know what Daniel did? He continued praying. Now you ask me, why face Jerusalem? Daniel is claiming a promise. In the Old Testament, when God said, when you pray and you are a captive and you pray facing this temple, facing Jerusalem, God says, I will hear your prayer. So Daniel was just following the Lord, but he prayed three times a day, giving thanks. My friend, Daniel got caught. They got a video camera. They videoed him. Then they showed the evidence. Of course, at that time, there's no video camera. Okay? You know I'm joking, right? I want to wake some of you up. Okay? Are, you, are you awake? All right. So, the king was so sad. The king said, oh, no. Oh, no. And then the people, the cha-cha boys, okay? The intrigue, the intrigador, they said, boss, you have no choice. You signed the law. You cannot change. That's the law. The Bible tells us the king was so sad. You know why? Because he knew Daniel was a good man. But he had no choice. His hand was tied. And the Bible tells us they placed Daniel in the lion's den. Now, this is something that hit me when I saw this verse. To let you know why you need to trust God. Okay? You know why you need to trust God? Look at the next verse. In verse Daniel chapter 6, I'd like you to read verse 17. I want you to notice something. What did they do to Daniel? They put a stone, laid it over the mouth of the den. That means you cannot escape. And the king sealed with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Humanly speaking, Daniel was famous. You understand? And friend, I want you to learn something. Why you can be extraordinary? Because we have an amazing God that nothing is impossible. Humanly speaking, this is impossible. Daniel was finished. No more hope. The cave, the mouth of the door was shut. The signet ring was placed there. In short, Daniel is going to die. Friends, to trust God means there are times when God will allow you to go through the lion's den. Many times, I pray that God will protect me from getting inside the lion's den. But there are times when God does not seem to act on time. In this case, God was very late. Daniel was already inside. He's finished. Look at your own life. Do you feel like your future is finished? Do you feel like your career is gone? Are there problems in your life that you really feel like is hopeless? Well, I want you to know something. 
we have an amazing God because that's the God we serve. And you know what happened? The next morning, the Bible tells us the king could not sleep. He could not sleep. The next morning, he got up so early. Oh, my goodness. The king, in verse 20, 22, the king got up so early and he spoke to Daniel. Everybody? Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you among the lions? You see what, what, what the king was doing? He was hoping against hope. Daniel, gising ka ba? Buhay ka ba ba? This is the Tagalog translation of Daniel. Understand? I'm not talking from the Hebrew language. This is the Tagalog version. Gising ka na ba? You know what Daniel said? Boss! My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. And they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. Wow! Daniel said, God protected me. Praise God. So my friend, is God amazing, yes or no? That's how you can be extraordinary. Because you entrust your entire future to God. But you keep on doing extraordinary. Be good. Be kind. Even if people will not be kind to you. Be kind. Amen? All right. So, my question to you now. Was Daniel effective or not? You know what was so shocking? You may not realize this. In Daniel chapter 6, 25, 26, this king was so touched by Daniel, he made a decree. You know what was the decree? I want to show you why politics is important. Why government is important. This king got converted. King Darius got converted. What's my proof? Let's look at his decree. Then Darius, the king, wrote to all the people, nations, and men of every language under his domain, I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. He is the living God. Wow. And enduring forever. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. Here is this pagan king. He now recognizes Daniel's God, Yahweh, is the king of kings. No other gods. And you know what else? You'll be amazed. He added something. You know, you know what he added? Well, maybe to save time, I want you to know he used the testimony of Daniel. You know how you perform is going to be used by God. This is testimony. Read the next verse. He delivers, rescues, performs signs, wonders in heaven and on earth, who also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. My friend, do you have any story that people can tell, that you can share with people, how because of your faithfulness, God delivered you. You know, many of us have no stories. We have no story to tell because you keep compromising. My prayer is you learn to trust God. Surrender everything. And the Bible tells us, what's the bonus? Ito po ang bonus. Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius. Don't stop there. 
and in the reign of Cyrus. You see, Darius was eventually taken over by another kingdom, the Persian kingdom. And the Bible tells us King Cyrus was also influenced by Daniel. King Cyrus issued a decree that anybody can go back to Jerusalem and help rebuild the temple. One man can make a difference. Be extraordinary. Now, you ask me, Peter, i like to be that man. Well, today, I'm going to do something. I'm going to commission all of you to surrender your life and to surrender your work, provided you want to. Understand? Now, you may ask me, Peter, where do you find all of this commissioning thing? Well, let me just give you some example of the importance of the commissioning exercise okay, that I want you to go through. For example, in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verse 12 and 13, all right? Here is a politician, a government official. What happened to him? The Lord said, anoint him, commission him. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brother, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David. So David was anointed. David was commissioned. Another example, Joshua. Do you know what happened to Joshua in the book of Numbers? Joshua was younger than Moses. Moses was about to die. And Moses said, Lord, appoint a leader. Moses prayed, may the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation. Lord, can you appoint somebody to take over my position? And the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. And have him stand before Eleazar the priest, before the congregation, and commission him. You see, in the Old Testament, you have commissioning rights where somebody lays their hands upon you and to remind you, you now belong to the Lord, you are going to serve God. What about the New Testament? What the New Testament tells us? For example, in the New Testament, I'd like you to look at Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 3. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them to do. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them. In other words, there is something about when you surrender your life to God and then people commission you. This is what was done in the Bible. But can I tell you something? If you ask me, the significance of what happened to Paul. You know, Paul did extra. Even though Paul was commissioned to preach the gospel now all over the world, Paul did not stop working. Paul went extra after commissioning him. For example, look at 2 Thessalonians. Paul said, you yourselves know how you ought to follow my example. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. Even though I'm a missionary, Paul is saying, look, with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day. Paul is saying, I'm a missionary, but I work night and day. You know why? Not because we do not have the right, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. You know, Paul is saying, I work hard, labor, and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden. I'm saying 
It is not wrong to support missionaries. But I'm saying, all of you, I want you to know something. You are going to be the missionary of God to the marketplace. Are you ready, are you ready to do that? All right. So this is what I'm going to do. If God has been speaking to your heart today, and you say, you know what? I want to make a difference for God. I'm not forcing you to consecrate your life to God. I'm not even forcing you to offer your occupation to the Lord. But if God has spoken to you, I want you to know the significance. The significance of what you're about to do is based on Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 tells us, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You know what this Bible verse is saying? I urge you, by the mercies of God, because of what God has done for you, what must you do? I urge you to present, to consecrate, first your body, your life to God. And after you consecrate your life to God, you consecrate whatever you do for Him. That is a sequence. So if God's speaking to you, if you don't mind, I want you to stand up, provided God is asking you to consecrate your life and to consecrate your work. For example, you're a doctor, so you lift up your stethoscope. If you're a lawyer, I don't know what you will lift up. If you're a teacher, whatever you have, do you, did you bring something? No, if you did not bring anything, no problem. Just offer your hands to the Lord. Is that okay with you? Now, I know there are some military people here, and I requested you don't bring your gun, just uh, whatever you want to show them. Okay, if that is what you want to do, I want you to stand up, and I will commission you. Okay? Stand up. If that is what you want to do, don't stand up because your neighbors are standing up, because God is seeing, God is saying, you are a fake one. Don't do that. But if you say, I want to dedicate my life to God, I want to dedicate my work, whatever it is. If you're in sports, you dedicate your abilities to God. Okay? Now, if that's what you want, remember, I cannot force you. Those of you who are watching us in YouTube, in the satellites, you do the same. And if you want extra prayer, the pastors will be in the welcome center. And we will pray for you. No problem. But I realize if I ask you to come forward, we won't fit. But God sees. God knows your heart. Remember? All right. You lift up your hands to the Lord. You say, Lord, I offer my career. Now, remember, I'm glad. Are you a teacher? Is that a ruler? Whatever you have. Very good. No, what, whatever you want to represent, okay? You offer that to God, okay? My friend, you are about to make the most important decision of your life. After coming to Jesus... You are offering your entire life, including your work. And from now on, when you leave this place, you have to remember, you are going to be extra. In your work, you are going to represent Jesus. Do you understand? I'm commissioning you to be God's representative in your office, in your house. I want you to know, you are going to represent Jesus starting today wherever you are Monday to Saturday you must never neglect the reality that number one this matters to God he's watching you and he's commissioning you he said you are the light of the world don't curse 
darkness. Don't curse our politics. You ask yourself, what are you doing? Okay, raise your hands. I'm going to pray for you. And if you have never invited Jesus, the first thing you need to do is to surrender your life to Jesus. So my prayer will be twofold. First is surrendering your life to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Some of you have been going to church for many years, but nothing has happened in your life. Can I tell you? Because all you have is religion. You never had Jesus. Today, I want you to have Jesus. Everybody, you pray with me. Lord Jesus, from your heart, okay? Copy me. Follow me. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Today, just as I am, I surrender my entire life, my future, my career. Come into my life. Transform my heart. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this group of men and women who have signified their willingness to consecrate their lives and their career. And now, Lord Jesus, by the authority that you have given upon me as the shepherd, as the pastor of this congregation, I now pray, Lord Jesus, I consecrate each one of them. I commission each one of them in the name of your Son, in the name of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, I now commission you to go into all the world, in all the marketplaces, and be salt and light for Jesus and represent Jesus and spread the gospel wherever you are. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege of serving you. I now commission everybody in their families all over the place. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.